is up, wrestling fans? It's that time of the week for them boys from 607 Podcast to talk all things pro wrestling and call it right down the middle. That's right, it's time for this week's edition of 607 Podcast presents The Wrestling Show, better known as 607TWS. And of course, we are back at the ODPH Dungeon, the realest thing in pro wrestling podcasting. I am your host here at 607TWS, but I'm also the host of the 3FN Podcast. My name is Rich, and joining me in the co-pilot chair, like he does each and every week, but you better know him as the host of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast, better known as the ODPH. I'm talking about Ken M. 607 Podcast family, what is going on? What is good? What is happening? Let's talk some pro wrestling, shall we? Yes, we should finally talk some pro wrestling, because that's like, if you guys at home, that's like take four. Uh, I could not do the opening to save my life today, but thankfully, we finally made it through. We're finally here. We're one day away as we're recording from uh, July the 4th here in the United States. It's known as Independence Day, so mm-hmm. for all of our listeners in the U.S., happy Independence Day. Yes. Uh, for our international listeners, uh, you know, just another great week of pro wrestling action to talk about. And on this show, we got a lot to talk about because in the main event segment, we will be talking and reviewing in its entirety WWE Money in the Bank 2023, Bloodline Civil War, surprise appearances, and so much more. That will be in the main event segment of the show. In the mid card, we're going to hit you with that indie roundup. Pro Wrestling Revolver had Cage of Horror. Two this past Saturday on Fight Plus. We're going to go through and run down and review that as well as preview the upcoming week's GCW show going down on Fight Plus, plus the JCW show going down on YouTube. And last but not least, MLW yeah. is now on Fight Plus. It's official, official, and their first. PLE, as the press release said, will be emanating this Saturday. All of that's on Fight Plus. We're going to break that all down during the mid-card in the Indie Roundup. And first up in the opening contest, we will be talking some All Elite Wrestling news, plus breaking down New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong, yes, the NJPW Strong Promotions, Independence Day, you know, two days of Independence Day uh, brawls over in Tokyo, Japan. Mm-hmm. Going to break that down coming up in that opening segment before we can get there, Ken M. We have to tell the fine folks how to get a hold of us. So we're going to start with you. Tell the folks how to find you and the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast. Very simple. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on social media accounts. They're all right there on the front uh, website. Also, check out the T Public Store. Check out the Patreon link. Check out the blog section, the classified section where you can find friends of the show, such as 3FM Podcast, the directory, the music section. Basically, if it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. I rubbed off on you a little bit. I know. I did. I did. Uh, part of my problem, though, is I've uh, had all these allergies and stuff. So if it sounds like my voice is a little different, it's because there's a lot of like drainage and stuff going on. I know you guys didn't want to know that, but it's. I just want to explain. But if you would like to uh, send me um, your well wishes and such, <laughs> or would just like to talk to us to get all the information about the 3FN podcast, including our social media links and all our other links, go to 3FNpodcast.com. There you'll find... Like I said, the social media links, but you also find the T Public link, the Patreon link, patreon.com slash 3FM podcast for as little as $1 a month. You get a ton of extra bonus content, especially right now because we're making up for some lost time. So this is the time mm-hmm. to join. Absolutely. Just want to throw it out there. We had made a huge, well, I shouldn't say huge. I always like to say huge announcement because I stole it from Tony Khan because everything's a huge announcement over there. But we did announce that on Patreon, uh, as part of our catching up process, we are doing Shark Month here. 
uh, for the Patriots. So we will be reviewing Jaws 2, Jaws 3, or it's also known as Jaws 3D, Mm -hmm. and Jaws the Revenge. The reason we're not reviewing Jaws is because we're saving that for 2025 on the main feed for its 50th anniversary. But Makes sense. You get that? There's so much more we're doing over there. Every month there's three direct shows. Like I said, we're doing some to catch up, but there's three direct shows over there every month. Plus you get the 3FN podcast early and it's unco- uncensored, uncooked edition. And like I said, there's a little bit of extra stuff in the beginning and the middle when we do new movies or just the beginning when we do older movies. It's it's a blast. Go join us on Patreon. Also, while you're there, check out uh, friends of the show like the ODPH podcast. There is links for on 3FNpodcast.com for both the 3FN podcast and 607TWS. You can stream them right from there or find all the wonderful links where you can get both of those shows. As well as the musical directory featuring such great bands like our good friends Floodlands. Whose songs Ruins is our song that we come out to every year. It's a theme song. It's mm-hmm. our entrance music, if you will. Indeed. If you're talking about pro wrestling. And of course, our good friends over at Second Suitor, because you know, we had to be like mankind back in the day and have a separate <laughs> entrance music and exit music. So we have our good friend Second Suitor and their song One Winged Angel that takes us out every week. If you want to find out more about that, uh, those two great bands plus more, go to that music directory and also support them on. YouTube Music, Bandcamp, and Spotify. And last but not least, check out the sponsor section. They are the they are the fine folks that help us bring these shows to you commercial free each and every week. Our good friends over at Dragon Master Games, of course, are our main sponsor. Make sure for all your Magic the Gathering and gaming needs, visit them on the World Wide Web at DragonMasterGames.com. Uh, once again, for all information, if you forgot any of that, because I know I kind of ramble, it is over at 3FNPodcast.com. So, get him. It's enough about plugging shit. That's enough about doing all this crazy stuff that we're doing. It is now time to start up the show. So I need you to check your watch because... It's time! That's right. It's time to open up the show. And we're going to open it up talking about all elite wrestling. Okay. (laughs) Rough week, by the way. Yes. I thought that I had a tiring and rough week because we were finishing up my graduate. My my stepson graduated. We had the graduation party. Mm-hmm. Lots of hard work went into it. Ken M was there, so he knows. And I thought I had it rough, but I didn't have it as rough as Tony Khan and company. And I'm not going to talk about ratings because, listen, ratings are dead. I've said mm-hmm. that forever. We brought them up as like you know, occasionally you have to bring them up because they're the pulse in the room. I don't even care about that anymore. I don't care about attendance figures. I don't care about tickets. I haven't cared about it in a while. We just usually bring it up for those numbers to throw it out there because it is a good way to gauge the audience. But listen, I'm happy to let that shit die a death. It's a, it's a non-factor at this stage, right? Because right now, what we need to be focused. I say we like once again, like we work for AEW. Hey, Tony, call us. You got our emails. Call, call calls, brother. Mm-hmm. You might, you, we might be able to book some shit for you. But anyways, uh, right now, as AEW needs to do, is focus on the product and focus on making the product the best that they can make it. And there's some fans out there that believe that it is the best. And that's fine. Love what you love. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm not saying I'm not seeing that right now. And there's some missteps that I'm seeing. And I'm going to throw it out there. I think even though the ratings are down, I think Collision's one of the best wrestling shows on television. I agreed. <clears throat> Because I watch Collision and go, man, why isn't Dynamite like Collision? And I don't watch Rampage, sorry, but uh, mm-hmm. it's dying a very slow death on Friday nights. And I think I think part of that is now, honestly, because I know that they've beefed it up. I know that they've been putting like real big matches on Rampage. I think part of that is that Friday at 10 p.m. is not a good time slot. And I think Saturday at 8 p.m. is not a good time slot. Go figure. Mm-hmm. We said that from the jump. 
Exactly. And I think you're finding it out because Collision is way better. And I, I would love to see what the DVR numbers are. And I, and even beyond that, I would love to see what streaming numbers are. Because let's be honest, we're not in the age of cable anymore. Mm-hmm. That's why ratings shouldn't matter. We're in the age of people streaming and doing things on the internet. And I mean, we can go and look at the YouTube clips and what people are watching and all that happy jazz. But, you know, nobody makes available like the streaming numbers. Because you got to remember, Dynamite is on the TBS app. Mm-hmm. TNT app has... Uh, collision and rampage. So I would be interested to see what those numbers are, and I and I'd also be interested in why WBD David Zaslov, with, with them hemorrhaging all the money they've hemorrhaged, uh, uh, even lately with the Flash, mm. <laughs> which three weeks in and it's already not in the top five. Yeah, that's that's a very telling sign. But that's just another story. That's a whole different ball for of another wax. day. I just am wondering why they wouldn't go. Hey, maybe it's advantageous for us to put at least the TV products. On Max, so people can watch them easier on Max. Maybe not the old archival stuff. I don't know if there's a deal in place. But think about it. It would be advantageous for AEW and advantageous for WBD to take Dynamite and Collision and Rampage and put them up the day after on Max. And it would reach a bigger audience of the people who don't have cable, the people who are now finding other places to find it. It would also make it for the international watchers. Because a lot of them are either watching on fight, and that's why the England crowd is not as big. Mm-hmm. It makes more sense to do that. I mean, you see what WWE does with their shows, and it's not a bad play to go. In all honesty, viewing audiences vary, and especially when they consume content. And obviously, with those that live and die by the ratings, it is a very telling sign of what is going on, but it's not the end-all be-all. But if you want to switch it up and what you should be doing, especially going into your two shows in August, is trying to get as many eyes on the product as possible. Whether it's streaming, whether it's live, however you can do it, you want to get a momentum built in for the show that people are really talking about it because if they're not and it's kind of limping in, it's going to be you know a very long day at the office, so to speak. Yeah, I just, I just have a question about that. But let's talk about things that they can control, mm-hmm. and that is the fact that, like I just said, I think Dynamite, I think a Collision, sorry, has been very good. I haven't checked out Rampage other than clips or matches from it, but I do see that they're trying to stack up the deck. And I can, I'm at this point, I'm like, the only reason they're not getting viewers is because of the time slot. Right. Same thing with Collision. That's the only thing I can think of. And once again, probably people DVRing it, probably people watching it on streaming. So it probably works out that a lot more people are consuming it than we know. And that's why I said ratings are out the window. But here's what I'm talking about. Dynamite, whether ratings are out the window or not, what are we doing with ourselves? Mm-hmm. There was two things on this week's Dynamite. This week's Dynamite was not one of the better episodes. No, it was not. You know, MJF and his budding, budding love with Adam Cole. I don't know if I needed that so much. You know, the, the matches were decent, like in-ring performance-wise. Mm-hmm. The storytelling, you know, we went, we rely on brawls every week. It's weird. Every week. It's like WCW in 2000. Mm-hmm. It's weird. I don't understand why there's got to be a brawl every week. But anyways, taking all of that aside, the two things that were the most egregious on the show, in my opinion, once again, this is just an opinion, on, and you're listening to the podcast, so obviously you want to hear that, is, first of all, let's talk about Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Oh. Or, you know, I, I've seen on the internet, everybody's calling him Hollywood Jack Perry. AEW would have been better off just calling him Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And that promo was terrible. Yes. Like, terrible. Like, I don't understand how you can be that bad on a microphone. Like, you, even if you're not interested in learning the microphone portion of this, mm-hmm. which he's very clear in saying he's not. 
but you still have to get better just by trial and error. And the promo should have been easy. Somebody should have just pulled them aside. I'm not saying script it, but have a talk with them and say, listen, here's what we need from you. This is exactly what we need from you. I, the one thing that I liked that he did is he come out and told him to cut his music. Yeah. That was the best thing he did. Because mm-hmm. he should have been like, but he should have gone further. It should have been like, cut that music. And I never want to hear that again. Never play that in my presence again. Period. Don't want to hear it. That's not who's here now. Jungle Boy is dead. R.I.P. In the ground. What you see before you now is the person I should have always been. I am the son of the late, great Luke Perry. I am Hollywood royalty. I was born with the silver spoon in my mouth, and I don't give a damn that I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth. That doesn't matter, because all you wish you could have been me, but you can't. You can't be me. You can't have the hottest girlfriend. You can't have come from money. You can't have money in the bank, whether or not you do this or not. No, no, no. None of you can do that. All of you. You're all trash. Who cares? The biggest piece of trash is Hook. Mm-hmm. We'll get to him in a second. From now on, you will call me Hollywood Jack Perry. From now on, you will respect my name. You won't boo me. You won't whatever. And that's going to get the crowd to boo. And then you should have gone, that's the promo. I understand I'm a promo guy. I understand that's what I did in the wrestling business. But, like, that's not hard to come to. And it wouldn't have been hard for somebody just to kind of shoot that and go, that's something. Instead, what we got was, sounded like a whiny little girl. He just sounded like he wasn't believing what he was saying. That's how it came across to me. Like, I'm sitting there, I agree with you. How he opened it, cut the music. Perfect. But he should have gone deeper about it. But when he got in the ring, in my opinion, he looked uncomfortable. Oh, he definitely did. And and that's what it came off, because you're supposed to be conveying your character's storyline. And to me, it was just like, I have to say this, I don't believe this. And if you can't do that little part of realism to the audience... It's not going to come across well, and this is what we got. It just looked like it was he was just not believing in this, and was like, "Why am I even out here?" That's how it came across to me at home. Yeah, I, I think that's completely correct. And like you, you're calling out Hook. That's fine. Yeah, popular guy. Cool. I get it. Right? Yeah, they match up well. Cool. And I like kind of what he was saying at the end about you know that belt means nothing, but I'm going to take it from you because it means something to you and your family. I was like, okay, that's cool. But the way he delivered the line was just monotone mm-hmm. it was never like oh i'm gonna take that you know like like i'm not saying you have to go 80s yelling to the mic oh sure show me some emotion you're supposed to be angry i need to see that you know what i mean mm-hmm. you're supposed to be i feel disrespected because you said it you said he said he felt disrespected yeah so you're supposed to do that so make me feel like you're disrespected when someone disrespects you you get angry mm-hmm. i never thought he was angry like I said, the most emotion I got was uncomfortable. Yeah. And I just, I'm, I'm telling you, I've seen better promos in wrestling schools from students learning. And I've been there to teach those things. So it's just weird. Like, I just don't understand it. I understand he's not good on the mic. That's fine. Claudio Castagnoli, also historically not good on the mic. Mm-hmm. But what he makes up for, you know, he makes up for it in the ring. And I don't think Jungle Boy's positives, I'm not saying he's a bad wrestler. I think he's a good wrestler. But he's not Claudio Castagnoli level, yeah. right? So he's never going to overcome not being able to cut a promo. And because of his size and such, and size, you know, let's be honest. One of these things doesn't, looks like the other. You put him next to MJF. MJF currently looks like he's chiseled out of granite. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, and take his promos out of it. Just he look at him. Yeah. He lo- there's a reason. He looks the part. He There's a reason he was cast in the Zac Efron film about the Von Erics. Mm-hmm. There's a reason. Look at him. That's the reason. 
You see what I mean? No, when you look exactly. at him, he looks like a wrestler. And once again, you know I love smaller guys. Sure. I you know, I'll sit here all day and sing the praises of Ricochet, Ricky Starks, mm-hmm. Sammy Guevara. They're not big guys. So it's not like, oh, Rich doesn't like the small guys. No, 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 no. I love small athletic wrestlers. But at the same point in juncture, if you're not on their level, that means you have to create a character. Right. You know what I mean? Like you have to make yourself stand out some way. That's how you do in the wrestling business. Mm-hmm. And right now, there's nothing about Jack Perry that makes me either angry or happy. When he was a face, I didn't care. Mm-hmm. Now that he's a heel, I still don't care. The only way you could possibly save this in my eyes is you have to pair him with somebody and they have to do all his talking for him. Exactly. I, he needs a mouthpiece. Oh, he does. Like I say, and how I kind of see this going is he's going back with Christian Cage. And I think they're going to try going this route where Christian will just do all the talking for him and Jack doesn't have to do anything. He just goes in the ring and does his business. But at the same time, it's not conveying anything. Right. But here's the thing. I know last week I disagreed with you and I still disagree with you in principle about the fact of going backwards. Mm-hmm. However, after seeing that promo, just put him with, I don't care. Yeah. Put him with, put him with anybody so that way I might feel something. Well, that's the whole thing. Like you can you can try selling the story as like he he's like I finally believe what you said. I finally got this. And then all you see is Christian just say, "Okay, follow my lead." And every time like Jack wants to talk, he grabs the mic from him. So at least you can kind of, you know, band-aid that up. Agreed. That's what I'm saying. I'm I'm against going backwards. Right. Just move forward. All right. I but, agree. But in this but situation, in this situation, give me anything. At exactly. This just give me a lifeline. Because here's the problem. And we said it last week. Let's face facts. Jungle Boy is one of Tony Khan's favorites. Mm-hmm. So Tony Khan pushes him. And that's fine. I get it. Whatever. But don't don't go on the other channel and be like, well, Triple H pushes this guy because he's, he's one of his favorites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they're doing with Jungle Boy, too. And here's the thing about Jungle Boy, or sorry, Jack Perry. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't call him Jungle Boy, although it doesn't make a difference, does it? Here's the difference is that at the end of the day, I think that there's more talented guys that aren't getting TV time that Jack Perry is. Mm-hmm. Jack Perry has historically gotten some pretty good TV time. Yeah, we've, he has a record for something. We, he, he, had the, he was the first person to 50 wins. Right. And then he's been, but he, my point is he's still featured almost every week. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how guys, like, let's put let's put a guy who should be pushed better, Ricky Starks. Agreed. Ricky, Ricky Starks, what do they do with Ricky Starks a lot of times? They'll start pushing him, they'll put him in a feud, he'll be on TV every week for like a month, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden he, you won't see him again for a month. Yeah. And then, then he'll be in a feud, and you'll see him for a month and a half. But then you won't see him for another month. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's guys like like even Hook, and you know even recently with Hook, infrequently on TV. We didn't see him on TV the week before the Jungle Boy. Then all of a sudden Jungle Boy puts him in there. But there'll be times where he'll be on TV every week, and then there, and now you have three shows. Yeah. So I don't understand why we're not getting more of these people featured. And my problem is is that Jungle Boy was getting time consistently, mm-hmm. I don't think we went a month without seeing Jungle Boy except for when he was injured. Right. I don't think we did. No, you're right. I'd have to go back in time, but I bet you if I looked through the logs on Cage Match, because that's where I'd go, I bet you we saw him on TV almost every week. Mm-hmm. Maybe a week here or there off. But I, I do not recall a time, and I've watched the product every episode of mm-hmm. Dynamite. I, I've only missed a couple because of vacations. Mm-hmm. But I have caught pretty much every episode of Dynamite. And I do not remember him having a Ricky Starks absence ever. No, just the injury. If you time. will. Yeah. Or a Sammy Guevara absence mm-hmm. ever. You know what I mean? And that's the problem. Those guys are more talented. Why aren't we pushing Sammy Guevara like that? Why aren't we pushing a Ricky Starks? I mean, Sammy gets a little more, it gets a lot more TV time than Ricky does. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ricky has been in this little feud lately, 
but it, I don't remember seeing, you know, he was, he was in that main event on collision and then he wasn't featured anywhere else. Right. You know what I mean? Like Ricky Starks can talk him in the building. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't get it. And there's other talented guys. I'm just using that as an example. It's just perplexing to see what you have because you have such a deep roster and yet it only seems like the same people are getting featured and you're not moving the story forward. And now you have three shows. Yeah. You have five hours of TV. Mm-hmm. Not, not you know, before, you know, dark and dark elevation, whatever. And we just say, you know, it's the internet, it's not TV, whatever. Now you have five hours of television. Five, count them. Same amount of time that World Wrestling Entertainment does. Yeah. Yeah. So how come we can't get this fixed? I mean, that's, that's the situation we ask watching at home because, like, I agree with you. It's just, it's just so weird to see this happen. Then you'll feature somebody for a couple weeks and then they disappear. And it's one. It's a great thing to have a deep roster, but it's also one if you want to connect with the audience, you have to feature everybody. I don't want to say like on an equal level, but close to. Well, you don't have to be equal level. Obviously, you're going to push some people harder than others. Right. But but you should still be. You know, if you're going to be a guy that I see every week, whether it be in promos or matches, you better bring your A game because if there's somebody that's better than you that I'm not seeing, I want to see that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're asking me if I prefer to see Ricky Starks or, or Jack Perry, I'm going to pick Ricky Starks every day. Mm-hmm. Ricky Starks is exciting. He's a great promo, and he's great in the ring. You can't tell me Jack Perry's a better wrestler than Ricky Starks. At, be- at best, they're both the same level. I'd say they're on the same level, right. to be honest. Right. But then I care about Ricky Starks. Right, because Ricky he makes Starks you. has got charisma. Yep. He's got it. You know, and unfortunately, it's guys like that, when you're not involving them, they, you know, when it's time for their contract to come up, World Wrestling Entertainment knows who Ricky Starks is. Mm-hmm. They know what he can bring to the brand. You don't think they're going to offer him money? Impact Wrestling, who has been collecting quite a few people and putting on hell of a shows quietly. Vastly slept on. You know, they're probably going to be able to offer him something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, I would hate to see people leave that are talented for AEW over that. So that's my concern mostly is that, like, here we go, and it's just terrible. It was a terrible promo. Let's move on from that because I said there was two. Mm-hmm. Second one isn't as terrible, but it's still kind of confusing, and this is a problem that AEW has. AEW has become so convoluted, and this is something I've said to, about Tony Khan and AEW Wrestling and everybody who's listened for months, and you have to agree with this, the convolutedness of the fucking product. Mm-hmm. Dropping the F-bomb for it. And here's why. This week, Dynamite. We have a open challenge, six-man open challenge for the elite, the Young Bucks, Hangman Page. Who answers the challenge? The Dark Order. Evil Uno, Reynolds, Silver. Okay, mm. cool. Get it? There's some storyline there. Ba-da-da-da. Okay, I'm fine with that. Match happens. Towards the end of the match, BCC comes out, beats down the elite. Fine with that, by the way. After, well, it's after Hangman Page wins the match mm. against his friends, right? So I, I understand their story there. BCC comes down. They beat them down. I'm not even upset about the run in there. Right. Because it makes sense because what we're doing. Because what we did really good is during this beatdown, we find out, oh, yeah, the elite is going to go against the BCC, blood and guts. Mm-hmm. We're a few weeks, a couple weeks away from that. So we're going to have blood and guts. Right. Two weeks, I think. So yeah. Two weeks from now. Two weeks from Wednesday, I should say. Uh, so we're going to have blood and guts, right? Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love the setup. I'm not even going to complain about that. That was good. But in the meantime, you have the Dark Order. Get up, see Hangman Page being attacked with a screwdriver, and then they decide, yep, yeah, we're not going to help you out. We're not your friend anymore. You chose somebody else. He even says as much. Even Luna said, you chose your friends. Walks away. 
I get it on one level, right? You mm-hmm. get the story on one level. But here's the problem. So if you're a fan of the Elite, because the, the fandom is split, and it, and it has been for quite some time. If you're a fan of the Elite, then F the, uh, the Dark Order, right? right? So now they're heels. But if you don't find yourself to be a fan of the Elite, or you find yourself like going, wait a minute, what is the Dark Order mad about? Oh, they were there for Hangman Page when he was at his lowest. They were there for him to support him when he won the world title, when the Elite weren't there. All they wanted is respect from their friend. He didn't give them that. He then beat them in a match, mm. and they walked out. You don't need us. You have your friends. That doesn't sound like a heel move when you break down the storyline. Right. So now you have this convolutedness. Are the Dark Order heels, or are they faces for what they did? Are the elite heels or faces, which is already a thing because of the punk thing. Right. And then BCC are heels. <laughs> so you're like, it's just a real convoluted thing. And once again, blood and guts is going to be the elite versus the Blackpool Combat Club. There's no Dark Order there. Right. So it doesn't mix mixing a third party. It's just, it's convoluted for no reason. It's too messy. We should have just gotten to the fact BCC should have beat down the Dark Order because they're heels and they beat down everybody. Mm -hmm. And they should have just left everybody beat down and then made the challenge. Because then it makes the BCC look strong as hell, Mm -hmm. which they should. Right. You know? And then we're going to move on to Blood and Guts. It's just confusing. I mean, that's the whole problem. And I'm sorry, if, if anybody's trying to say this is long-term storytelling, stop. Sorry, I, I hate saying this, but the Dark Order hasn't been relevant in quite some time. The Dark Order hasn't been relevant since the late great Brody Lee. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Yeah. The, and then, even then, AEW fumbled that. Mm-hmm. Because when, when Brody passed... There was a part where everybody was with the Dark Order, remember? Right. Stand with the Dark Order. Mm -hmm. And you could have ran with that, and they could have been the best babyface faction of this decade. Easy. Because there was so much emotion built into it. And they fumbled the ball on it. Mm -hmm. Because they, for whatever reason, obviously Tony in the office doesn't have faith in them. And I don't know why. Reynolds and Silver are a hell of a tag team. They've been a tag team for a long time. They were the Beaver Boys. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, they, they still get it done. Before before Stu Grayson got moved over to a whole other faction in Ring of Honor, yeah, him and Evil Uno have been the Super Smash Brothers forever. Mm-hmm. They've been a they used to be Uno and Dos even before he was Stu Grayson, right? You know they used to wear masks. <laughs> like if you guys don't know the history of the Smash Brothers, who are now you know Evil Uno and Stu Dos. Well, Stu Grayson, but it was Stu Dose. It was Stu or, Dose. Well, originally it was Uno and Dose. Right. Then it became Evil Uno and Dose. Then it became Evil Uno and Stu Dose when he took off his mask. And then, you know, eventually Stu Grayson. And, and so it's like, it's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I understand not every fan needs to know that history, but that's fine. But they've been a great tag team. So the fact that they really, I think they got one tag title shot, period, ever. Early in AEW's is egregious, history. Mm-hmm. Right. So whatever. Obviously, there's something there. You know what I mean? There's obviously a reason, in my opinion. It, it just is puzzling. I mean, that's the whole thing about it is just the Dark Order hasn't been featured in AEW in quite some time. They're in an afterthought storyline in a Ring of Honor. And the fact that now you're going to interject them into this storyline as like the buffer between the BCC and the Elite going into one of your marquee matches. It's just like, why? Like, we're just adding too many ingredients into the recipe. And right. it doesn't need it. Like, keep it simple. And if you just did that storyline, that's fine. But now 
it's you're really questioning the audience and where they're siding. And I understand if you want to try playing that the elite are, are you know, tweeners, I guess we can say. Yes. It, I, I mean, I guess that would be what you would say. I guess, but it's like, why? I mean, it should be clear cut that they're supposed to be the faces and the BCC is the heels. And I'm sorry, watching at home, you can't tell that because the storyline involving the Dark Order makes complete sense for the elite to be heels. So now you have heels versus heels in the cage. Like, why? It's kind of weird. It's convoluted. Yeah. Once again, it's convoluted because that's that's the understatement. Mm-hmm. And this is for people who watch the product every week. Uh-huh. Imagine if you didn't. <laughs> you oh, my God. You'd be so confused. You, it's just weird to me. And once again, if you want to do a program after with the Elite versus the Dark Order, there's a way to get there. Sure. But save it till after the blow-off match between the Elite and the BCC. Yeah, because what are you going to get this week? BCC versus Dark Order? Right. And once again, Dark Order could fight both of them, technically. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we could really, if you're pushing the Dark, I say we once again, but if you're pushing the Dark Order, that's good. But you have to push them. Yeah. You can't just do it for three weeks and then they go back on the shelf. Well, they're not even going to do that. It's just going to be, they're going to be in these feuds and they're just going to lose. You know, it's just a buffer, mm-hmm. you know, because they can't, it's just all whatever. And meanwhile, on the other channel, you know, I shouldn't say on the other channel. Well, actually, technically, it is the other channel, but on Collision, you have Punk running wild, brother. Yeah. <laughs> he's He doesn't care if people boo or cheer him. He's back to being like, and for me as a fan, he's back to being 2013 Punk. This is the Punk we've been like, waiting oh, for. Oh, man, he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying he doesn't care about his performance because he's putting on f- tremendous matches. Way better matches. But he doesn't care about what the fans think of him. He doesn't care what the office thinks of him. He doesn't care. And when he gets to that point, that's where the pipe bomb came from. Mm-hmm. That's where he was with WWE. I mean, I guess it creates the best CM Punk possible. But the bad news is that you can't phone it in because this guy's on the next level. Yeah. He's, he's starting to go into the gear where he's going to really separate himself. And then what are you going to do? What are you going to do when he hits that gear? Full. And, and I, you know, full gear. I was waiting on this. But, you know, you know what I mean? But what are you going to do? You're going to have to put the belt on him or you're going to have to consider it. And then where do you work in the got people who won't work with him? Well, what if when their contracts come up? There's a lot of questions. The AEW really, and we've talked about it on this mm-hmm. show. We're one of the few that are actually talking about, hey, Agreed, AEW, we are one of the AEW needs to work on these things. Mm-hmm. Not because we dislike AEW. It's because we want them to succeed. And these are the things that are hampering and holding them back. Being convoluted, being one of them. Uh, picking and choosing. Like, you have to go where the ball is hot, baby. And, you know, that was the, that was the thing for a long time with World Wrestling Entertainment. Mm-hmm. It's a smart booking to do it that way, but that's the thing. You, you just you just have too many elements in there, and you just have to streamline it. And that's what the whole thing about Collision. Collision has been the superior show. It's overshadowed Dynamite because it makes sense. As a wrestling fan, it flows. It makes sense. We don't have so many promos. We get right down to the action. And you know what? You open the storyline. You explain everything going on. So by the time we get to the end of the show, everybody knows what's going on. It's easy to follow, keeping it simple. Well, we're going to keep our eyes, obviously, on AEW as we do, and there's no other news we want to talk about. Just There's just a couple things that they just need to get better on. And like I said, it's weird because on Collision, it seems like even though the, the ratings aren't there, which who cares, once again, mm-hmm. it seems like that show is just way better. Agreed. And I get the fact, and I, I appreciate what Tony's done with Rampage. I'm going to give him all the credit in the world that he's trying to put bigger matches. I just think it's a bad time. Slot. It's too little too late. In my well, opinion. Yes and no, because I think that they were always getting decent matches. It's just a bad time slot. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're ever going to overcome that. Right. So it's cool if it's on and they're paying you for it. And then hopefully people are watching on streaming is all I have to say. Mm-hmm. But I think that they should really make a deal. WBD needs to make a deal and make those shows available on Max. 
you're going to get a wider audience. And on top of that, I think you'll be doing better. At least if they put Rampage on Max. I think if they, I think ma- they should put all of it. Because- no, I agree, I agree with all. But like, if you think about it like this. When NXT was strictly on the WWE network, it was special. It had a certain feel to it. It wasn't on network TV, and it was you know really isolated to the wrestling itself. I think if they just did that with Rampage to start, mm-hmm. I think it would make a lot of sense, and especially if you want to make that into something. Because right now, it's just floundering on Friday nights, and you're, I agree with you completely. It's in a horrible time slot. Everybody's been watching now two hours of wrestling with WWE SmackDown before they tune in. And even if you're just a diehard AEW fan, it's still a lot to watch there. And it never really feels like it connects to what you're trying to do on Dynamite and Collision. It kind of it feels so isolated into itself that for me to get invested in it, like I want to watch it on Friday nights, it's just not doing it. But I think if you did that and made it strictly streaming and give it that much more of a special feel, I think then you might be able to do some redeeming. Hey, it, it, it could work. I'm not going to disagree with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it hasn't been tried, so let's do it. Well, with that, we are going to close out our All Elite Wrestling Talk. We're going to move right on over to some... New Japan Pro Wrestling Talk. And uh, you know what? Can you believe it already? Next week's show, we will be doing the first couple days of preview for... The G1 Climax. It's already here. It's wow. already here. And, of course, so next week's show, we'll be, per, we'll be actually going over the first two days of the G1 Climax. It'll be going on before the next show, and then we'll be starting to review and pro- progress through. It's going to be crazy. It's that time of year it's again. wild. Man. But but we have some uh, New Japan news to talk about here because NJPW Strong, you know, the United States arm of New Japan Pro Wrestling, has got a big Independence Day shows in Tokyo, Japan. Ooh. Of course, LEC presents NJPW Strong Independence Day. Uh, night one, of course, Tuesday, July 4th. Uh, of course, very early in the morning if you are in uh, in Japan. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, coming to you from Kurokan Hall in Tokyo, Japan. Let's uh, break down some of this card going on. Let's do it. Kickoff match, 15-minute uh, timeline. I'm not going to say timeless for every match, but kickoff match. Uh, Lube, Yo, and Taguchi are going to be taking on Katori, uh, Dragon Libre, and Kango. Okay. In your opening contest, the DKC goes one-on-one with Bad Dude Tito. All right, let's go. In the second match of the evening, a six-man tag team extravaganza. Owa teams with the sauce, Alex Zane, and the murder hawk monster, Lance Archer, to take on the team filthy team of Jarrell Nelson and the West Coast Wrecking Crew, Royce Isaacs, or Jarrell Nelson and Royce Isaacs, and then J.R. Kratos. So That's going to be a great match. Team filthy representative. Mm-hmm. Next up, we got Kosai Fujita goes one-on-one with filthy Tom Lawler. Oh, let's go. Fourth match of the evening is a tag team match. Rocky Romero will be tag teaming with Eddie Kingston. To take on Gaido and Kenta. Ooh. Ooh. That's going to be phenomenal. That's an interesting match. Yeah. Uh, Next up, we're going to have a Women of Stardom. Well, technically Women of Stardom, but NJPW Strong does have women. Mm -hmm. Most of these women wrestle for stardom mostly. Uh, Tag team match. Momo Kogo tags with the NJPW Strong Women's Champion, Willow Nightingale, to take on Thakia and Julia. Ooh. Next up in the sixth match of the evening for the strong openweight tag team championships, your champions, Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto, are going to defend the titles, and this is their first title defense, by the way, against Gabe Kidd and Alex Coughlin of the Bullet Club. Oh, that's going to be a good match. 
Seventh match of the evening for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships. Your champions, representing the United Empire, Francisco Akira and TJP, will defend the titles against the Bullet Club team of Clark Connors and Drilla Maloney. Hmm. Bullet Club's coming up big on this show. I was going to say. And in the main event of the evening... In an exciting, this is what it says on the website, exciting encounter doomsday no DQ match. El Desperado tag teams for the first time ever and for the first time in a New Japan ring ever with the crazy monkey, Jun Kasai. Mm-hmm. Deathmatch legend, if yeah. you will. To take on Homicide and John. Moxley. That is going to be out of control. I can't wait to see that one. That is a crazy match, and I can't believe we're getting that in Karoken Hall yeah. for NJPW Strong. But that's not it. Wednesday, July 5th, they'll be back on with another show from Karoken Hall, day two of Independence Day. Here's the lineup for that. Kickoff match will be a six-man tag team match where uh, Bolton Oleg will tag, tag with Master Wado and Taguchi to take on Rekka, Takahiro Katori, and Dragon Libre. So a bunch of young the young boys getting their opportunity there. Mm-hmm. First match of the evening, Oscar Lube goes one-on-one with Team Filthy's J.R. Kratos. Okay. Second match, we've got Oa and Homicide tagging to take on Francisco Akira and TJP, possibly still your junior heavyweight tag mm-hmm. champs. Maybe the title's down the line if they retain. I don't know. Next up, we have the team of Rocky Romero and Yo going up against Clark Connors and Drilla Maloney from the Bullet Club. Of course, they might be your new junior tag team champions. Yeah. Next on the list, fourth match, another tag team match. The Sauce Alex, Alex Zane tagging with the Murder Hawk monster, Lance Archer, to take on the United Kingdom team of Fujita and Bad Dude Tito. I'm in. <laughs> or sorry, not TMDK team. Sorry. I was going to say, no. Why did I say uh, United Empire? My bad. Next Still up, it could be a great match. Yes, of course. Next up, fifth match of the evening, six-man tag team extravaganza. The DKC teams with Ishii and Tanahashi to take on Team Filthy, the West Coast Wrecking Crew, Jarrell Nelson, Royce Isaacs, and, of course, the captain, Filthy, Tom Lawler. Let's go. In the sixth match of the evening, the Strong Women's Championship will be on the line. Your champion, Willow Nightingale with her first title defense, official title defense, will take on Stardom's superstar, if you will, Julia. This is going to be the match between both cards like I'm most excited for. Next up, in the seventh match, for the IWGP Tag Team Championships, your tag team champions, Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto, will go up against the Bullet Club team of Gabe Kidd and Alex Coughlin. Once again, both belts could change hands over Mm -hmm. two nights. In the eighth match of the evening for the Strong Openweight Championship, your champion, Kenta, will defend that title against Eddie Kingston. I love this matchup. And in the main event of the evening, it's called Final Death. El Desperado versus John Moxley. <sighs> this. I, I Trying to put into words the violence we're going to see in this one is an understatement. It's going to be crazy. And, of course, all of that action, you can get that on Fight TV or on NJPWWorld.com. Because it's in Japan, I do think it is streaming live to the U.S. instantly. However, you might want to check because it could be a couple days. And you have to see it on replay with New Japan World, at least. Right. We do know you can watch it live on Fight TV. Well, that's going to do it for the opening contest. When we come back from the break, we're going to hit up that mid-card. 
talking about a whole bunch of stuff coming to Fight Plus this week because we're going to hit you with that indie roundup. Game Changer Wrestling, Pro Wrestling Revolver, and MLW. Mm. All that and more after this break. Right, Ken. Get that bass. It is time for the mid card of this week's edition of 607 TWS. And as you well know, the mid card is brought to you by our good friends over at Fight.tv. More specifically, Fight Plus. For $7.99 a month, you can get a ton of gr- tremendous, tremendous independent pro wrestling action each and every week. It's it's too good to be true. And on top of all that, you get rugby, soccer, boxing, bare knuckles boxing. There's a whole litany of things you get on top of great pro wrestling action. But, Ken M, we are a pro wrestling podcast. Mm-hmm. So we more care about the pro wrestling that goes down there. You can see such great promotions as Game Changer Wrestling, mm-hmm. Black Label Pro, yep, our good friends over at Pro Wrestling Revolver, Glory Pro Live, House of Glory Wrestling. And it goes on and on, including now, as we'll talk about in a minute, MLW. Yes, it's a growing lineup that, honestly, there is no reason if you're a combat sports fan or a pro wrestling fan, you shouldn't have this in your possession. So it's a very simple subscription, and honestly, it builds towards more content, and that's a win-win for everybody. So make sure you sign up for Fight Plus, and you can join in on the action. Well, let's kick it off by talking about a show that went down this past Saturday, uh, July 1st, from Clive, Iowa at the Horizons Event Center. uh, Pro Wrestling Revolver presents Cage of Horrors 2. It was a hell of a night, man. I got to see this. I didn't get to watch it live because obviously it was on at the uh, the same time we were actually watching uh, Money in the Bank because we were at my uh, son's graduation Mm -hmm. party. So therefore, we couldn't watch it live. So, you know, we were watching it later. So I did get to see this after and whoo. Boy, was I impressed. Let's talk about what went down. Opening contest, four-corner mayhem match. Gringo Loco defeated Allen Angels, Brian Keith, and Cole Raderick. Seven minutes and 58 seconds. This is a tremendous match between four super talented people. Absolutely. Next on the list, Ken's favorite female wrestler in the world, Marina Shafir, defeated Rachel Armstrong in four minutes and 30 seconds. 
She looks a lot better in, P- in Pro Wrestling Revolver than she does in AEW. Very much so. Like They, it, they treat her like a shoot fighter there. Yeah, and, and it works perfectly to her skill set. So, you know, a big win. Next up, eight. Well, they said eight-man tag, but it's not men. It's eight-person tag team match as Blair Onyx, Jake Manning, JT Energy, and Matthew Palmer defeated Alpha Sigma Sigma, Brent Oakley, and Casey uh, Jacobs in the pledge, and Damian Chambers in 12 minutes and 21 seconds. Let's just say Man Scout got uh, cheated a little bit Mm -hmm. because he got the tent involved. Yeah. And everybody knows nobody beats the tent. Nobody. Nobody beats the tent. Next up, the Revolver Championship was on the line. Your champion, Jake Christ, going one-on-one with the aesthetic crippler, Kevin Blackwood. Mm. Uh, by the way, real good pieces of work. I'm going to give Sammy Callahan and Pro Wrestling Revolver. So for anybody who doesn't know, Sammy Callahan runs Pro Wrestling Revolver. Right. Uh, Sammy's got a great mind for the business. Always been a great promo guy. I mean, if you obviously... Most of you probably know who Sammy Callahan is. You could probably see all these things. He brings that to the table as a booker and as a promoter as well. What they did here was perfect. Before the match, they have a little war going on with prestige wrestling. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting because it's like kind of grown like between the two factions. It was little shots, and now it's gotten bigger. So the prestige world champion, or former actually technically now, Alex Shelley is currently the Pro Wrestling Revolver Remix Champion. And he's a heel there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, everywhere else, the machine guns are faces. Yeah. He's a heel in Pro Wrestling Revolver. So he wasn't there that night, but he cut a promo. <laughs> and in the promo, he said, you need to stop booing prestige guys because you just need to admit Pro Wrestling Revolver and your fans that prestige is the best independent wrestling company on the planet. And you will never, you're not even in top five. So it doesn't matter. And Kevin Blackwood's going to come there to get a shot at Jake Chris. And he's probably going to take the title off of Jake Chris because Jake Chris, who who the hell cares about Jake Chris? <laughs> and he's going to come and take the title off of him. And you better cheer him when he does because he's from Prestige, which makes him a better wrestler. So, of course, that got Kevin Blackwood way more heat, which was perfect. At the end of the day, though, uh, the match ran 10 minutes and 14 seconds. Your winner, the f- and still Pro Wrestling Revolver champion, the Firestarter Jake Chris. Great match, though. Yeah, I was going to say, great match. And you know what? You can't go wrong with how Sammy's booking this. Like, Wrestling Revolver is just so good. For the first time ever in Pro Wrestling Revolver, we had a dog collar match. Crash Jackson would defeat Madman Fulton. He had Matthew Redwall in his corner. 11 minutes and 51 seconds. By the way, a cameraman got involved, and it was great. Yeah. I loved it because it's the same cameraman that Fulton has been punking out, and uh, he uh, helped cost him the match. I loved it. I thought it was good storytelling there. Mm, I agreed. Next up, no disqualification, tornado tag team match. The unit, Allie Catch and JT Dunn with Phil Stamper in the corner, would defeat Jessica and Masha Slamovitz, 8 minutes and 43 seconds. The end would come. Sammy Callahan would come to the ring and uh, in, in, inject himself, if you will, but he accidentally hits Jessica with the steel chair, which ends up costing – them the match because Ali Catch and JT Dunn get the victory. Mm. In a dream match, if you will, Roderick Strong defeated <sighs> Speedball Mike Bailey 21 minutes, 38 seconds. This match was insane. I need this ran back. I need this ran back today. This match was insane. Yeah. And it's one of the first times I've seen Mike Bailey not the aggressor in the strikes. Yes. Because nobody throws chops with Roderick Strong. Right. And Mike Bailey learned that real quick. <laughs> I this I don't want to say it's like a bizarre world, but yeah, you're so used to seeing Mike Bailey being the one that's the focus is all about the striking, and yet Roddy just you know he took it to him. And of course, that leaves us with the main event of the evening in a six-way 
tag team match inside of the cage of horrors and the pro wrestling revolver world tag team championships were on the line as well your champions the rascals myron reed trey miguel and zachary wentz defending the titles against second gear crew one call manders mance warner and matthew justice this match got 26 minutes and four seconds and was violent as anything i've ever seen Mm -hmm. in my life as a matter of fact, Trey Miguel, I don't know if he seriously took an injury and went to the hospital, but that was what was reported on commentary. Yeah, I actually believe it. At the end of the day, 26 minutes, 4 seconds, and your new Pro Wrestling Revolver Tag Team Champions, the second gear crew. Of course, the internet went nuts because the one called Manders, I'm sure everybody's seen it, mm. getting thrown off the scaffolding through barbed wire Doors, boards, tables, whatever the hell they were. One of the wildest spots I've ever seen in pro wrestling. It was crazy. Well, that's going to be the review for the week, but we got some upcoming stuff coming to Fight Plus. Let's start with Game Changer Wrestling because they have a few different shows. If you're listening to this on the 4th of July, because we're putting it out, it comes out you know, late night Mondays, early Tuesday, if you will. Mm-hmm. And we are, if you're listening to it then, you might be able to check out, if not on replay, check out GCW's Backyard Wrestling. Uh, they do it every 4th of July. It is from someone's backyard in an undisclosed location so they don't get in trouble. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, they take basically all the wrestlers and they use their backyard wrestling gimmicks and names and put on some fun shows. Yes. So it is a fun show to watch. It is not a serious show. It's more of a fun show. So if you enjoy fun things, check out Game Changer Wrestling's Backyard Wrestling. Absolutely. Always a good time. However, Game Changer Wrestling has a legit show coming, too. Coming up this upcoming uh, Saturday, the 8th of mm-hmm. July, from the uh, from Webster Theater in Hartford, Connecticut, Game Changer Wrestling presents Clean Up Man. Hmm. And uh, there's not everything's not announced yet, but I'm going to give you what's announced so far. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Game Changer Wrestling World Tag Team Titles will be on the line as the East West Express, your champions, Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne, will take on Gringo Loco and Jack Cartwheel. Ooh, that's going to be a phenomenal match. In a singles war, the Duke of Hardcore, John Wayne Murdoch, goes one on one with the King of Wreck Shit Mountain, Cole Radrick. Can they do death matches at this? I'm not sure what Connecticut's rules are. Okay. But I, they can definitely get hardcore. Okay. I was going to say, they're definitely going to get a, a, as close to a death match as possible with this one. I'm assuming from what a match that's coming up later that it might not be death matches, but at least very hardcore. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second because first up, six-man tag team extravaganza. Jimmy Lloyd tagging with Wasted Youth, Dylan McKay, and Marcus Mathers are going to go against the legendary... S-A-T, Joel, Jose, and Will Maximo. Let's go. This is why I said about hardcore. The man, the king, the god of this shit, Nick F. Engage, goes one-on-one with Psycho Clown. Oh, God. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, this is going to be out of control. And last but not least on the list for the Game Changer Wrestling World's Championship, your champion, all heart, Blake Christian. Goes one-on-one with Richard Holiday. Ooh. It's an interesting match there. Yeah. Definitely worthy of the main event slot. Absolutely. They're not done, though, because they're going to be back with Jersey Championship Wrestling on Sunday, 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 uh, the uh, 9th of July. Uh, of course, this will be going down from the Ridge 
Field Park Knights of Columbus from Ridgefield Park, New Jersey, and Jersey, and it's going to be on the Game Changer Wrestling YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. So it's absolutely free. Make sure you're following Game Changer Wrestling's YouTube channel, and you'll get notifications. So JCW's big ass Extreme Birthday Bash goes down this Sunday. Uh, you want to hear some matches? Absolutely. In a singles match, the bad boy Joey Janela goes one on one with Space Jesus Billy Starks. Okay. The man that we love in a match for the Battle Bowl ring. A man that we love, near and dear to our hearts. One half of the Rip City Shooters. The big man himself, Joshua Bishop, goes one-on-one with the East Coast Beast, Alec Price. Oh, that's going to be great. Speedball Mike Bailey goes one-on-one with Psycho Clown. Oh, God. Oh, man. In a six-man tag team extravaganza. And this could be a main event anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. Lee Moriarty. Yes, AEW star Ooh, okay. will tag with the East-West Express, Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne, your Game Changer Wrestling World Tag Team Champions, unless they lose the belts the night before. And they're going to take on Time Machine, Alex Shelley, Chris Sabin, and Kushida. Oh, my God. That's an incredible match. In a bunkhouse stampede match. Really? Right, bunkhouse stampede match. Really? Here's the, there's going to be a lot of verses here. Get ready for it. Okay. Grim Reefer versus the Duke of Hardcore John Wayne Murdoch versus Cyclope versus Miedo Extremo versus Yoya versus One Call Manders versus Dylan McKay versus Charles Mason versus a mystery opponent. I like Manders in this one, but that's going to be a crazy that's match. That's a crazy match. Yeah. And last but not least, that's right. We're in Jersey Championship Wrestling, but... The Game Changer Wrestling World Championship will be on the line. Your champion, as long as he doesn't lose it the night before. Mm-hmm. All Heart Blake Christian goes one-on-one with Beastman. Oh, that's going to be a, a that is going to be a, a phenomenal match. Let's try and find a different adjective. But like honestly, how else do you describe that one? I will also want to point out that on Friday night, Hood Slam has got an event going down at midnight, well, 11.59 p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not much information out there, but if you want to say check out some really cool, fun wrestling, there's a little bit of extreme there. There's a little lucha there. There's a little bit of everything. Hood Slam's uh, going to be for you. They do uh, overall storyline. It's kind of almost like an alien circus. Yeah. It's really, really cool. It's it's a little different, but if you find yourself liking stuff like uh, lucha underground and stuff, this is it's a really good event for you. So check out Hood Slam. By the way, you can uh, also watch the events that they have up. They're putting more up, but there is archival events for uh, Hood Slam as well as all these other places as well. But we need to talk about some big news. Big news for Fight Plus because one of the bigger independent wrestling companies on the planet. Yeah, because they sign people to contracts, so mm. that means they have to be pretty big, right? They're kind of like I would say they they've taken the Ring of Honor route. Does that make sense? That's like, a good comparison. And, and I'm no, not saying good... that they're, I'm not comparing them to Ring of Honor, although they do have similarities to Ring of Honor. Right. Old school Ring but of Honor. But they're, yeah, we're talking about before Tony Khan. Right. Because now Ring of Honor, and nothing against, this is not a shot at Tony Khan or Ring of Honor currently, but it's more corporate now because it is now owned by AEW right. slash Tony Khan. Sorry. It's not owned by AEW, as he'll point out. It's owned by him. Is mm-hmm. it? Whatever. Yeah. We're splitting hairs here, kid. But at the same point in Juncture, that's MLW's gone that route of the old ROH where you sign some talent to, to contracts, you bring other talent in. And so they've been doing some things for a while. They had some smaller TV deals and kind of everything fell through. Well, they landed a deal with fight.tv more specifically. They've landed a deal with fight plus 
Now, mm. all MLW products, which their weekly show is called Fusion. I, they do tape them in advance, but still, they put it out weekly. It's called MLW Fusion. Right. That is now on Fight Plus. Uh, they've, they've already put two episodes up, or they've been, they ran them live. or I shouldn't say live because technically they're taped, but they ran them in their normal time slot. They're on Fight. You can watch them anytime. And then on top of all of that, they are bringing PLEs, premium live events, if you will, Mm-hmm. to Fight Plus. And this upcoming Saturday, and the reason why it's it's exciting and we're talking it up a little more, is because this upcoming Saturday is their first PLE for Fight Plus. All right, let's go. So MLW presents on uh, Saturday, July 8th, MLW presents Never Say Never 2023 from the 2300 Arena, a.k.a. the ECW Arena, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Are you ready to talk about this one? Yeah, let's do it. In a tag team war, the second gear crew, One Call Manders and Matthew Justice, will take on the calling Delirious. However, they haven't announced his other partner. Hmm. Interesting. In a match that I cannot wait to see because it's a country whipping match. Oh, God. Mexican legend, if you will, at this point. Sam Adonis goes one-on-one with... The Southern Psychopath Man's Oh, my God. This is going to be great. Sam Adonis is great. Yeah. Next up, in a scramble match, and it looks to be uh, six people, or maybe it's five, two, four, five. Sorry. We have Willie Mack, Ken Broadway, O'Shea Edwards, Love Doug, and Nolo Catano. Okay. Interesting match. Very interesting match. On the list next for the MLW National Open Weight Championship, your champion, by the way, new champion, mm-hmm. Jacob Fatu. Yes. Goes one on one with the big man, Calvin Tankman. This is going to be a crazy match. I'm in. The Battle of the Bulls, baby. Yeah. Next up, MLW's Women's World Featherweight Championship. Also, WXW Women's Title will be on the line as your WXW champion, Delmi Exo, will take on Ava Everett. Hmm. So, belt for belt. Okay. There will only be one after this match. Next, in a match that makes my teeth hurt thinking about it, Hot Sauce Tracy Williams goes one-on-one with Timothy Thatcher. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, wear a mouth guard at home, folks. Next up, six-man tag team extravaganza. The main event, j Line and Midas Black tag teaming with Microman take on the FBI, Little Guido, and Ray Jazz and their partner, Jesus Rodriguez. Okay. Good stuff right there. Yeah, I was going to say. The MLW World Tag Team Championships will be on the line, and it's a fans bring the weapons oh match. Oh, boy. Here we go. Your MLW World Tag Team Champions, the Samoan SWAT team, Juicy Finwa and Lance Inouye, take on the calling team of Akira and Ricky Shane Page, and, of course, Dr. Cornwallis and Raven. We'll be in the corner of the calling team. That's going to get crazy real quick. Akira and RSP <sighs> versus the Samoan SWAT team. That's worth watching. Absolutely. Next up, TJ Crawford will take on Ichiban. Okay. And then what I'm presuming is the main event of the evening for the MLW World Heavyweight Championship. Your champion, Alex Hammerstone, defending the title against Alex Kane, and he'll have Mr. Thomas in his corner. That's a great main event. That's going to be a real good. If you're talking about somebody who exudes what MLW it is, it is Alexander Hammerstone. Mm-hmm. Hell of a wrestler. Looks great. 
Uh, I can't say enough good things about Alexander Hammerstone. Agreed. You've heard me on the show in the past say I, I wish he was signed to a huge a huge contract somewhere because I think he deserves it. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And the, and the card overall, I mean, it's solid, especially for their first PLE. Like, it's going to be uh, worthwhile checking out. Well, I know we'll be tuned in and watching that as well. So make sure you are as well. And we'll be talking about it next week. Also next week, speaking of stuff on Fight next week, Fight.TV will be the home of Slammiversary yes. from Impact Wrestling. That doesn't go down until next weekend. So we'll be breaking that down on next week's show. Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to do it for the mid-card. We are going to take our final break. When we come back, it'll be time for the main event segment of this edition of 607TWS. We will be breaking down and reviewing everything that happened at WWE's Money in the Bank 2023. Wrestling fans, are you ready? Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! That's right, it's time to rumble. It is time for the main event of this week's edition of 607TWS. And of course, how else could we close the main event segment of this show but by talking about possibly... The biggest show that went down this past weekend. And that, of course, would be WWE's Money in the Bank 2023. Mm-hmm. Coming to you this past Saturday, July 1st, from the O2 Arena in London, England. Are you ready to talk about let's do Money this. in the Bank? Absolutely. This card, yeah, let's let's get into it. Let's get into it. Uh, we're going to save one piece of business for the end. I know it was in the middle of the show. Okay. But I would like to save that to the end. That's a little teaser for those of you who watch the show, obviously listening to our review. I hope you all watch the show. Mm. But uh, you probably already know what that piece of business right. is. But I just wanted to make it up front. So for most of the people at home, not just Ken, but for the people at home, because, you know, you'd be like, well, why aren't you talking about it? No, no, no. We're going to save it for the end because I feel like it deserves its own spotlight. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, agreed. So let's break the card down, shall we? Let's do it. The opening contest was the men's money in the back ladder match. Of course, championship contract on the line can be cashed in for any time in the next year. At the end of the day, 20 minutes, 25 seconds, Damian Priest would become your new Mr. in the Money in the Bank as he defeated Butch, L.A. Knight, Logan Paul, Ricochet, Santos Escobar, and Shinsuke Nakamura to become technically, sorry, in his words, senior Money in the Bank. How'd you feel about this uh, match, Ken M? Well, first and foremost, we need to take our victory lap. Because we did call it. We did say Damian Priest we was going to win We were one this. of the few podcasts to do it, so. Everybody else was on the LA Knight bandwagon. Mm-hmm. And I get it. I love LA Knight. Sure. But I'm telling you right now, I think that we were right on the money. 
I believe you're going to see them set up. The United States title will move over to LA Knight probably at SummerSlam is my anticipation. Agreed. And, and it makes more sense storyline-wise for Damian Priest. I love the finish of this match. I do, too. Because I liked how even the uh, O2 crowd... Listen, the O2 crowd in England were cheering LA Knight over their home countryman, Butch. Mm-hmm. Butch got a pop when he came out, but it, when it was uh, there was a strike fest between LA Knight and Butch, the, the yay-nays, the yays were going for LA Knight. Agreed. The nays were going for, you know, yay-boo stuff. It's crazy. Crazy how over LA Knight is. And trust me, Triple H and WWE knows that. Mm-hmm. Hence why the finish of this match, LA Knight looks like he's going to grab the briefcase. He gets goozled by Damian Priest. He tries to fight Priest off, almost succeeds before taking a somewhat modified Falcon Arrow because obviously I don't know of how much I'd really want to come down off the top of a ladder that high yeah. with a Falcon Arrow. And then Damian Priest climbing the ladder and claiming the briefcase. Uh, the match has some good spots in it. Uh, Logan Paul doing a... Frog splash onto somebody on the ladder. Yeah, that was a little crazy. I, I will say though, the uh, I understand they were trying to make the save him and Ricochet to try doing the Spanish fly onto the tables, but they should just you know hit the reset and did something else. Like because that was the only that was the only thing I'll take away from the match. I understand what they're trying to do, but that was just too risky of a spot. Uh, and thankfully, it looks like Logan Paul just took a laceration and not something worse. Yes, could have been a lot worse. Agreed. Um, yeah, for the most part, though, the match was it was good. It was mm-hmm. a good Money in the Bank match. Nothing really to write home about. Right. Only a few spots. I love the ending. Overall, ending, I, I, ending sold it, it. Yeah. I was happy with this match. Mm-hmm. Next up, we had the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship match. Your champions, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler, taking on former champions who never lost the belts, Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez. This match got a flat nine minutes, by the way. At the end of the day, and your new... WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez. But how we got here was pretty interesting. Yeah. So we get to the point. It looks like Ronda Rousey's setting up for the uh, basically an arm breaker Mm -hmm. on Liv Morgan. And out of nowhere, she just gets hit from behind by Shayna Baszler and then choked out by Shayna Baszler. And that's what leads to the defeat of Ronda Rousey. Uh, who eats the pin, obviously, from Liv Morgan for the one, two, three, and new champions. Interesting. Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey. And maybe we were all saying, remember, they said one of the matches was going to end with a shock ending. I'm pretty sure that was the one. I agree. I mean, this one I definitely didn't see happening at this moment. I thought they'd have a long title run, but it is what it is. And if this helps to get Baszler to that next level, I'm all in for it. Absolutely. Next up, WWE Intercontinental Championship on the line. Your champion, Gunta, going one-on-one with Matt Riddle. This match got seven minutes and 45 seconds. The end of the day, via submission. And still, the WWE Intercontinental Champion, Gunta. Of course, I love the story this match told. It's a shorter match, but it was on purpose. Mm-hmm. Remember, they attacked the, the ankle on SmackDown. Yep. Of course, Riddle's coming in with a hurt ankle. And throughout this match, Gunther just went after that ankle, including at the end when it looked like uh, he was about to get hit with a salad knee strike. Mm-hmm. He uh, blocked it and then just slapped in that heel hook, and that was all she wrote. Great ring psychology for this. Absolutely. But the bigger story, after the match, Gunther's trying to celebrate, and Drew McIntyre's music hits. Mm-hmm. Drew Mack makes his way to the ring, gets in the ring, there's a little bit of exchange of words between the two. And then a little face mush from Gunther. And that leads to a Glasgow kiss 
in a Claymore kick. And, of course, Drew McIntyre standing tall in London, England. I can only assume that, and I'm just this is an assumption, we don't know, that Drew McIntyre must have signed a new deal with World Wrestling Entertainment. It would make the most sense if that was the case because I, I can see them f- featuring him in such a program unless they had him locked up for, for a, lo- a longer time. Next up was a match we were wrong about, but it's fine to be wrong. As the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes would defeat Dominic Mysterio with Rhea Ripley in his corner in 8 minutes and 40 seconds. We were anticipating a Brock Lesnar run-in. That did not happen. However, I love this match from an entertainment story point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dom got a little bit of action in the beginning. Of course, also getting a lot of heel heat. At the one point juncture, while the crowd was still singing Cody Rhodes' music, Dominic decided that he was going to stand up on the uh, turnbuckle and get the booze. I loved it, interrupting mm-hmm. it. So after this match starts, about a few minutes in, you know, they've been tussling back and forth. Cody's getting more of the upper hand, but, you know, Dominic's getting some stuff in. Then Cody takes off the cast because we had heard a rumor through the uh, interviewers and everybody that Cody Rhodes' uh, arm is healed. And why is he still wearing a cast? Maybe he's, Maybe the rumors were wrong. Well, guess not. He takes off the uh, cast, and Dominic Mysterio does the greatest thing in pro wrestling for a heel. He books it out of the ring as fast as he could. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that piece of storytelling. Of course, Cody would chase him down, throw him in the ring. There'd be a little more exchanges, some face-to-face with Rhea and Cody, but disaster kick, crossroads, one, two, three. Cody Rhodes, baby. Entertaining match. Dom, whoever's been working with him, seriously, deserves a raise. He's, he's putting together quite the entertaining matches these days. And this was just another one. Obviously, he had a great dance partner in Cody. But I really enjoyed this match for what it was, even without Brock. Next up was the women's Money in the Bank match, of course, uh, for a contract for a women's championship match for the next full year. This match got 18 minutes in five seconds. Not too shabby. And I'm going to say this ahead of time because we're going to talk about it. It's one of the best Money in the Bank matches, period. Absolutely. I, probably the best women's one. Mm-hmm. And that's saying something because there's been some good ones, but it was the it's one of the best period. Yes. At the end of the day, EO Sky is your new Miss Money in the Bank as she defeated Bailey, Becky Lynch, Trish Stratus, Lena Vega, and Zoe Stark in the Money in the Bank ladder match. How we got there was ingenious. The end of this match. So let's go back. We have to go back during the match. Everything we thought was going to happen happened. By the mm-hmm. way, I, I enjoyed that. So we had the breakdown with Becky, Zoe, and Trish throughout the match. We had a little bit of dissension going through the match with Bailey and EO, including at one point in juncture, Bailey damn near killing EO Sky off yeah. the ladder, just tossing her off the ladder. Uh, of course, they played it off like EO might have not seen who did it, mm-hmm. which was cool. I liked, I dug. In the meantime, though, we got a crazy spot where Zelina Vega, who we both said was the dark horse, mm-hmm. she shined brightest in this match. I'm going to say it. I think she did. She had some great spots in this match, including. The code red yeah. from the top of the ladder onto a bridge ladder. Onto, from uh, She gave it to Zoe Stark. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That was amazing. Flawless. And by the way, Michael Cole on the uh, calling it the code red and then shout outs to Zelina Vega's cousin, amazing red on commentary. Mm-hmm. I love I love when there's no strings attached for Michael Cole. Yeah. Uh, next up uh, in this match. So at some point, storyline-wise in this match, taking away all the gaga and all that great stuff that happened, there was a portion where Zoe Stark – tried to handcuff Becky Lynch to a rope, or actually technically the ring, uh, the the turnbuckle. Mm-hmm. And Becky Lynch fought off both her and Tristan doing this, ended up taking Trish out of the match right around that time. Later in the match, it comes to play because she still has one open cuff and a cuff around her wrist. 
So Bailey's looks like she's the only one in the ring, tries to climb the ladder. Becky Lynch comes in and what what did you by the way, what did you think of her fish hooking her with the open end of the cuffs that looked to brutal. bring her down? That looked brutal. That was cool. Yeah. But then they're fighting, they're trying to climb, and EO Sky out of nowhere grabs Bailey's wrist, grabs the open cuff, cuffs Bailey's wrist. So now they're cuffed between rungs. They can't go any higher on the ladder. Mm-hmm. They're cuffed to each other. They can't do anything. And then EO Sky proceeds to climb over Bailey, including stepping on her. Yes. To sit on top of the ladder and claim the money in the bank. I thought this was mwah, chef's kiss. Perfect finish. Great storytelling in this match. Great high spots in this match. Uh, it, it was it was one of the best money in the big matches of all time, in my opinion. It was perfect. In my opinion, it is probably the best money in the bank match I've ever seen. And I thought that every competitor came in there with the intention of stealing the show, and they did. Selena Vega raised her stock so high with this, and obviously doing the code red on the ladder, was at that's the moment everybody remembers from this one. But the storytelling that was going on with everybody's individual stories, too, with, between Bailey and EO, and then obviously Trish, Becky, and Zoe, those are the moments, like I say, this is what we get so attached to as wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. That we were feeling those moments, and then when you see EO get the handcuff and lock Bailey up, and then especially climbing over her, symbolic. Well, not only just climbing, she stepped on her. Yeah, she stepped on her shoulder at one point. It was kind of fun. Yeah, that's what I say. Like, so those are the moments we remember, and this is why you know it was a is a star making moment for EO. Oh, great, uh, amazing, yeah, amazing. Next up for the world heavyweight championship, your champion Seth Frickin' Rollins going one on one with the Prince Finn Balor. This match got 12 minutes and 30 seconds at the end of the day, and still WWE World Heavyweight Champion Seth Frickin' Rollins. However, the story of this match is about halfway through this match. Who comes to the ring? Senior Money in the Bank, Damian Priest, Mm -hmm. takes a seat at ringside, distracts Seth Rollins a little bit, but that's not the big distraction. The big distraction would come at the finish. Finn Balor has Seth where he wants him, going for the coup de grace. As soon as he gets to the top rope to go for it, Damian Priest makes a move towards the ring with the briefcase, which distracts Finn Balor, who looks down at Damian Priest and goes, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. What are you doing? And Damian kind of shrugs off, and Finn goes for the coup de grace, misses, followed by a really quick curb stomp and a one, two, three. Kind of thought the end was flat because it came out of really nowhere. And I know that's not always a bad thing, but it was kind of like weird how it ended like that. But from a storyline perspective with Damian Priest, I like that piece in there. Yeah. I just didn't necessarily like how quick it ended after. But I will say, I'm very happy with this story. Now, you know, you might have a bloodline civil war. We're going to have a Judgment Day civil war as well. I'm all in for this. This is great storytelling top to bottom. And I love how they're teasing the breakup with Judgment Day. And we're going to have to see how it goes, even to the point of the press conference after. Oh, absolutely. We got a lot of good stuff coming our way with the Judgment Day. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that leaves the main event of the evening. And, of course, what else was going to main event? In a tag team extravaganza, it was the Bloodline Civil War. You ready for it, Ken? Mm-hmm. 32 minutes, 10 seconds. Roman Reigns' pace. It's beautiful. Yep. That's where it is. The Usos, Jay and Jimmy, defeated the Bloodline, Roman Reigns and Sola Sokoa, via pinfall when Jay Uso... Pinned Roman Reigns 
That's right, you heard it right. Roman Reigns has been pinned for the first time in three and a half years mm -hmm. by his cousin Jey Uso to end the Bloodline Civil War match. We're going to get to the importance of it. Let's talk about the match, though. Let's get to there. It just got to be the finish. Listen, man, I love the story in this match. Oh, yeah. The Bloodline team, Solo and Roman, they beat down the Usos, man. Boy, did we get some sympathy on the Usos. Mm-hmm. Then finally, you know, the Usos would fight back and get cut off. And they would fight back and they'd get cut off. And it was just a dominant performance by the bloodline. Dominant. Mm -hmm. But that's how it needed to be, the sympathy. But then all of a sudden, the Usos would fire up. I mean, we got a one and done. Yep. But no referee. Because the referee had taken the powder, baby. Mm -hmm. And that was it. We locked it. And then all of a sudden, Solo's back in. Spike to Jimmy. Then a sick Samoan spike and spear combination yeah. to Jay. And then Roman said what he did what he said he was going to do. He stacked him. He went for the pin. Referee got to two in nine-tenths, and the Usos kicked out. Mm -hmm. And Roman, great storytelling, sitting in the ring, like upset, like crying almost. Yeah. Like, like almost because what am I going to Racking. And Solo just standing there in disbelief for a second. But then Solo being the one to go over to Roman and go, get up. Mm -hmm. Get up. Let's go. We got a job to take care of. They shit can Jimmy out of the ring. Roman's messing around with Jay. Jimmy gets put on the announcer table. Solo gets on the, the, the barricade. He's going for the big Samoan splash. You know, Roman's like, come on. Come on. Give him a splash. Solo took too much time. He ends up splashing the table. Hmm. He takes himself out the equation. And then we come into one of my favorite finishes. J Jey Uso's back on his feet. Jey Uso delivers a super kick. Roman bounces off the rope, delivers a Superman punch. Jey bounces off the rope, delivers another super kick. Roman bounces off the rope and delivers a spear. But it wasn't a full spear. Mm -hmm. Be fair, it looked kind of weak. Yeah. Goes the pin. Jey. Referee gets the two. Jay kicks out, but Jay's arm happens to be in between Roman's legs. So when he kicks out, he hits him square with like a European uppercut to the testicles. Mm -hmm. And the announce table didn't catch it at first. Right. They had, they didn't see it until the replay. We saw it live and we were like, was that like accidental? Just his hand was there? Because if it was accidental, Roman wouldn't sell. Because it's not like he hit him. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Roman starts selling. We're like, oh shit. He intentionally hit him mm -hmm. with a kick. This is great. And that's when the, they catch on, when they see the replay. Oh, my God, they're giving Roman some of his own medicine. Jimmy comes back in the ring, double super kick to Roman, who's on the ground at this point, you know, on his knees. Mm -hmm. Solo gets on the apron, double super kick to, to him. At one point, the Usos give the double uh, – or no, sorry, before that happens, the Usos get the double spear to, to, to Roman. And then double super kick on his feet this time. Mm-hmm. Before Jey Uso climbs to the top rope and in the old school finish for the Uso, Samoan splash, and we got to hear the three count heard around the world. One, two, three. Roman Reigns has been defeated. Great call, by the way, by Michael Cole. When Michael Cole says, Roman, it can happen. Roman can be defeated. That was his exact line on commentary. I thought that was perfect call. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a perfect match. We had called it here and said that Jey Uso was going to pin Roman Reigns. Yep. Maybe Jimmy, maybe both, but we definitely said Jay was probably going to be the one. Right. That was what I was going with the whole time. I said, yeah, you know, the other guys could, but I think it's going to be Jay because that's the story. Sure enough, Jay Uso. Main event, Jay Uso has pinned 
Roman Reigns for the first time in three and a half years. Thoughts on the match, Ken M? Cinema strikes again. I mean, when everybody asks why this always goes on last, I always have to respond, are you not watching what's happening here? This is art. This is transcending wrestling. The emotions that are getting poured out in the ring with the physical attributes of you know everybody involved. This is why we are so hooked on this, and this is why it transcends even just pro wrestling. And looking at the storyline built in and all the mannerisms used, Roman especially. I mean, if you wonder why he's the best in the game right now, just watch this match. Even when he loses and he's on the ground in just pure shock, like how could I be defeated? How could I be pinned? And just his reactions to it. From top to bottom, I mean, it, it, it just is so good. Let me put it this way. How do you follow these matches? Exactly. The reason they're main events is because you ain't following them. And it wouldn't be fair to the performers to follow them because of the emotion. Let's go back. Let's, we'll just take it back to WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Because we could go back for, well, you could go back to even Elimination. You go back to Royal Rumble. Yep. You go, think about all the big moments. Let's just, okay, we'll go back to Royal Rumble because the beginning of the year. Let's just do this year, not counting last year. Because we could go by sure. forever if we did. Okay, Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns, the Sami Zayn turn. Mm-hmm. Ooh, how do you top that? Exactly. Did you hear that crowd? Okay, we go on to Montreal, the hometown of Sami Zayn. How do you, they didn't touch for 10 minutes mm-hmm. and that crowd wouldn't stop. Actually, it was actually eight, but still. Close enough. Close enough, right? Now we go to WrestleMania. Night one, Usos, Zayn, Owens. Yeah. Did you hear that pop? Mm-hmm. What's going to go after that? I understand. I understand that the best match of the night was Charlotte versus Rhea. Sure. And I understand their gripe was that they should have been the main event. And they, they have a gripe with it. But honestly, with the way that crowd sounded, even if you take that same amazing match, which I think is one of the greatest women's matches of all time, if not the greatest women's match, period. Mm-hmm. That's how good that match is. Go back and watch it. Tremendous. If you don't believe, if you don't believe that is, that's fine. We can disagree. But am I wrong? No. But think about it. If they came on after Owens and Zayn and the Usos, the crowd would have been in. The crowd would have been dead. They would have mm-hmm. been tired. You can't follow the crowd reaction. It has nothing to do with being the best match on the card. Right. It has to do with the reaction because ne- next night you have Roman versus Cody. Mm-hmm. Do remember that crowd reaction? You're not going to want to follow that. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Let's go on. You know, Night of Champions, Zayn Owens versus Roman and Solo. Remember that reaction? Yep. And now you go to last night, Bloodline Civil Well, sorry, not last night, a couple nights ago for us, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Bloodline Civil War. And the reaction to that match. Was it the best match on the card? No, because I think the women's money in the big match was. Yep. That's fine. But it doesn't need to be the best match on the card. It was the match that the crowd was the most into. Mind you, I will say this the London crowd was great all night long. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. That was a phenomenal crowd. We're going to talk about that more in a second. Mm-hmm. I promised already. But let's finish this up with the Bloodline. I just think that you can't follow the reactions for these matches because as you have been saying for a long time, this is cinema. The fans are invested in this storyline to the point that they're if you follow these matches with any of those great matches, and trust me, every one of those events had a match that was either as good or better than that main event. Mm-hmm. However, the crowd reaction and the fact that the crowd is so poured into that, it's hard to follow that. Yeah, You know, I, I take it back to WrestleMania 25 when the wrong decision was made and they put Undertaker and Michaels on before the main event. Mm-hmm. And Orton, if you go back and watch, Orton and Triple H have a tremendous match. They have a great match. It wasn't better than Taker and, 
and Michaels. Sure. But that's a classic, mm-hmm. one of the greatest matches of all time. Uh, a lot of some people think it's the greatest WrestleMania match ever. I think it's the second only behind Steamboat Savage. Mm-hmm. But that's that's good company. Yeah. And here's the thing though. Like when you go back in time and look at that, that was a wrong decision. Triple H, because that regardless of what people like to say from day to day, Triple H is running that booking show and he knows. Mm-hmm. He knows how it was like to be in that main event. Actually, twice because think about it, him and Jericho had to follow Rock Hogan. Yep. Then I was he, just going to say that. <laughs> so, so 18, seven years apart, this man had to follow a match that was such magnitude that there's no way you recover from it. Mm-hmm. And and both of those matches were good. Triple H versus Jericho at 18 is a great match. Yeah. Triple H versus Orton at 25, great match. But the crowd was into the match they should have been into. Mm-hmm. And that was a mistake. Like, who the hell didn't think that Rock Hogan was going to blow the roof off of Skydome? Exactly. And just, like, who the hell was it was in charge? Vince McMahon. <laughs> we answered the question, obviously. When they were at twenty at WrestleMania 25, which was in Dallas, mm-hmm. if, I don't, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. And who, who would have thought that, okay, Michael's Undertaker isn't going to blow the roof off the house? Mm-hmm. Not to mention... You've heard since Michaels and, and Undertaker both said they looked at each other when they found out they weren't the main event and went, that's okay. Nobody's going to follow us. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, we were already going to have a great match. But now, now we're going to make it impossible for you to follow us. Um, 25 might have been in Houston. It was either Dallas or Houston. It's, it's needless, whatever. Yeah, it was in regardless. Yeah. It was in Texas. I know that. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. But that's why you don't put these matches after. Mm-hmm. I think this is perfectly booked on the show. If people complain about it, I don't know. I don't know what you can complain about. Exactly. You have no argument. I'm going to go back to what Roman Reigns said at that press conference at WrestleMania. We ain't feeding you fast food. We're not feeding you McDonald's. We're cooking you some filet mignon. It's going to take a little longer. You're going to have to sit there and wait for it. But I promise when that plate is served, it's going to be the best thing you ever ate. Yes. And he ain't wrong. They have been cooking us filet mignon this whole time. And it ain't over. Mm-hmm. Don't you think this storyline is it's far from over? We're gonna have there's gonna be wrinkles inside of wrinkles and folds inside of folds. And we're gonna find out that this is far from over. I now fully anticipate Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso at SummerSlam. Oh, lock that in. For the WWE, the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Mm-hmm. Uh they could add a multi-man. We've talked about that in the past. Maybe if the wise man and uh uh Solo. Roman the Rise Man and Roman get together and think it would be advantageous. Because like I said before, if you put both the Usos versus Roman, eventually somebody's got to pin Roman. Right. So that creates a fracture there, and then where do we go? I don't know if they'll do that. I think that I would personally just like to see the two Mm one-on-one have Jimmy and Solo fight each other off at some point. I think they'll be on the pre-show, actually. Oh, well, I would say that they come to the ring regardless. Yeah, they'll come to the Solo's ring regardless. Solo's going to try to interfere. Jimmy cuts him off. It'll be, I, I think if I'm booking this, it'll be a reversal of everything that's ever happened. Mm-hmm. So that means that instead of like, you, you know, like in the past, Solo would hit the ring and interfere, and that's what would help win the match. In this case, he's going to go to interfere, and Jimmy's going to cut him off. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to give us that false hope that, oh, shit, just like, just like Money in the Bank, Roman's about to lose. Jey Uso's going to have the belt. And then something will happen, whether it's a new member of the bloodline, whether it's, you know, some trick up the sleeve of the wise man or Roman Reigns, something will happen and, and Jey Uso will get probably cut off and Roman will win, but it'll be a tremendous match. It'll mm-hmm. tell a great story. Let's be honest. Yeah. Let's be honest. Roman's wrestling on a whole nother level at this point. He's not wrestling a fast pace. He's wrestling a very methodical and slow pace. 
And it's actually great because everybody else is, is going at a different speed and he's slowing it down and he's making it mean something. He's been doing this for a long time now. Mm-hmm. It's rare to see, think about it. We've talked about it before. It's rare to see a Roman Reigns singles match and even tag matches, but singles match even specifically that go less than 25 minutes. Right. He's usually not even cooking until then. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful because they ramp it up and they slow. Like he keeps it slow. His opponent, when they make their comeback, speeds it up. Right. He slows them back down. And and then we go into the finish, and it's hot. I I just I've I've loved the way that they've been doing that. I love what Roman's doing. I love what the Usos. I love this whole storyline. I'm sorry if, if it sounds like I'm a fanboy, Mark, and I am because I don't understand how you can't be. We're watching possibly the greatest storyline in the history of pro wrestling mm-hmm. play out before exactly. us right now, right now. And if you're if you're if it's tribalism against you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you can't enjoy something great, you know. And I hope that that the other people are providing you that, but. I'm sorry. It's not a shot at AEW. It's not a shot at Ring of Honor. It's not a shot at Game Changer Wrestling. It's not a shot at New Japan. It's not a shot at anybody. This is this is main event. Mm-hmm. Agreed. You know? Fully and agree. Mind you, New Japan and AEW just gave us a hell of a match. Might even be match of the year between Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not like there's not good work going out out there, but this storyline is just yeah. It's the story. Whole it doesn't level. have to be the Whole best match. Level. It has to tell a story, and the story is being told beautifully mm-hmm. it's almost like master penmanship i'm sure Heyman has some parts in it i'm sure roman's putting his input in it oh i'm sure and triple h is obviously there orchestrating the good deal mm-hmm. it's good stuff man good good stuff I, I i'd be interested to find out how much paul actually has been putting into it for the whole time mm-hmm. let's go back now now we talked about it main event talked about it money in the bank so about halfway through the show roughly we're sitting out here, and we're just having a chat in between matches, getting ready for the next match. And all of a sudden, what do we hear, Ken? Bum, 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 bum. That's right. And we all went, what the hell? Cena's in, in the O2? Yeah. Out comes John Cena. We're like, all right, well, this wasn't expected. John Cena hits the ring, gets a microphone, as John Cena does. And when the mic's in his hand, the magic happens. By the way, London crowd. I want to tell you this. O2 was phenomenal all night. Mm-hmm. They were doing the soccer cheers. They were singing for people. And it was just beautiful. I love what happened. AEW, you should have a great crowd reaction on your hands for All In. This is a great crowd out there. Agreed. In the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Cena gets in the ring. Cena, you know, first of all, kind of puts over the crowd by saying, man, most people sing John Cena sucks, but you guys were singing my music. I love that. <laughs> And then he goes on to say, listen, I want to come out here. I'm not out here for any match. I'm not out here to put myself over. I'm out here for two reasons. First reason is for the 20 years plus of my career, you guys have been a great place for me to wrestle. You guys have always, whether you booed me or cheered me, I've always respected you and you've always respected me from what I can tell. And I love wrestling in front of you guys. So I wanted to give you the respect to show up tonight and say thank you for all of that. Thank you for being you. Thank you for being rowdy and ruckus and, you know, all the things that you do here in London. I love it. And he goes, the other reason, though, is the people in the back, it's been 20 years since we did a PLE here. 20 years. But that's because some people in the back think that this is an unruly crowd, which they booed. Mm. Some people in the back think that you guys just cheer for the heels and boo the faces. So you, you're you just you're just doing the opposite, and that's not Good for business. Some people in the back think that you guys hijack shows and make it about you. What they don't realize is the show is always about you. Right. 
and I appreciate all of that. And then, of course, that's where we get the fake you Cena chance, and it's, it's it was pretty amazing. Mm. John doing his magic on the mic. Of course. But there's got to be a story, right, Ken? Mm-hmm. So what's he say next? He says, I'm here to petition the WWE to bring WrestleMania to London. <sighs> and the crowd, the, the if, if the roof wasn't already off the fucking Yeah, place, it was gone now. The roof was out. And then, of course, John Cena says, listen, let them know in the back. Let them know all around the world that London should have WrestleMania right now. And they go like the next level. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and of course, as it does, we had to get Grayson Waller to come out. Yeah. <laughs> I did enjoy this, by the way. It's great. Grayson Waller loved it, called uh, London a hole. Yep. <laughs> and said that if you're going to do an international WrestleMania, it should be in the, his home country, his, his, the way better country of Australia. Mm-hmm. And John, don't you worry. If we put it in Australia, I can give you the hometown rub. You can be on the Grayson Waller effect and you get the hometown rub. I'll put you over. Yeah. And John Cena was like, I'll pass and goes to walk out. And Grayson Waller goes, nobody says no to Grayson Waller. Mm -hmm. And John Cena, of course, little inside baseball says, well, if you don't mind, I was having a good time with my friends, which of course is in reference to the video of him turning down the fan who interrupted him during dinner, which was a very classy way to do it. I agree. And everybody applauded him for it. And I thought that was very righteous of him to do. Mm -hmm. So I loved how he tongue in cheek did that. And he turns his back, and of course, Grayson Waller attacks him. And of course, we have to end it with an attitude adjustment. Of course. Because why not give the people what they want? Cena whips the hat off, the shirt off. You know, he's going crazy. The London crowd's going crazy. But the big story WrestleMania in London. Shots fired. You can't tell me otherwise. The f- <sighs> I can, though. Because here's the problem I think Tony Khan and AEW inadvertently did a study for World Wrestling Entertainment. Hear me out. Okay, I'm listening. Hear me out. And I, I mean, it could be shots, but sure, sure. hear this out. I, I knew you were saying that because we talked about this, but mm-hmm. hear, hear me out. They went on sale with tickets for, for All In, right? Mm-hmm. Sold like 60000 pretty much off the fly, right? Okay. Give or take, right? Yeah. WWE's probably questioned in the past, can we fill Wembley? We did it in 91. Okay. But that was 91 with international superstar... Brett the Hitman Hart, mm-hmm. and the British Bulldog, the hometown hero on top. Right. Right, in the Intercontinental title online. Can we do that now? Because, let's be honest, yeah, they're a mega force, but that's a lot to gamble on. Because if WWE goes Wembley, they can't do 70,000 like AEW. Mm-hmm. They have to do 90,000 plus. Think about it. Mm-hmm. They have to. Because it's a, like, and it's, it sounds weird, but that's the double standard. Right. If a if 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 AEW sells seventy thousand tickets, which they're still right around, right? Mm-hmm. If they what they've sold now, we're all like it's a success. I mean, there's some people out there that's not, but me and you have all on record. No, it's a big win. Wembley is a big win already. Big win at sixty eight thousand tickets. They don't have to sell a single other ticket. Mm-hmm. It's the best success that they've ever they've ever had to this point. So it's amazing success. But WWE, who puts eighty thousand people in the states in their stadiums per night for WrestleMania, mm-hmm. if they don't go to Wembley and put ninety thousand. Or better, because 90,000 is like kind of the magic number, but I think it can hold more than that. I even. think you can get around 100. Right. But 90,000 is that magic number. If they mm-hmm. can't do that, then it would be ripped apart as a failure. So I don't think that they knew if they could do it or not. But watching AEW sell 60,000 off the cuff and another 10,000 a bish 
now, without announcing any matches, mm-hmm. WWE's probably going, oh, yeah, but yeah, remember, WrestleMania is two nights. Yeah. So not only do we have to sell 90000 we got to sell 180000 Right. So I think WWE saw that and went, oh, if they can do that, we're a much bigger, more respected property in the UK already. So if they could do that, we can do 90000 easy. And I think that that's really what this is. Yeah, it's going to work as a shot, and I agree with you and other people, and I'll let you like go expound on that a little mm-hmm. more, but... I also think this is a just a free case study. So Tony Khan inadvertently, while trying to be larger than life, which is fine, we all we, we we've we've applauded this thing oh, yeah, all the time, absolutely. right? Mm-hmm. But inadvertently, he actually just did a case study for WWE. Is how I really think this went down. And yeah, it's a good shot as well. But I think that they went, oh well, if you can sell sixty thousand off the cuff on opening the thing, we can sell the hundred and eighty thousand. That we need. Because once again, you have to sell it twice. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's a, that's a challenge there. To my knowledge, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong about this. Did After it was announced for Wembley, did the AEW brass there take some shots at WWE or no? I don't think that they did. Okay. I think that they did mention that WWE. Uh, they didn't mention WWE by name. But they had mentioned that there has been no PLE in London. You know, they, there's been not been a pay per view in London in a long time. Okay, which is not a shot. It's no, it's no, facts. it's not. But you know, obviously, how things have been going between the two companies. What I what I feel is like I one I, I do feel it's a shot because obviously bringing Cena over there and now you you put that karma in the air after AEW's been having all this momentum about what they've done at Wembley, you've now overshadowed them with a 15 minute promo and. Obviously, you've got fans' attention saying, well, if AEW can do this, WWE can do better. And how it just kind of reads off to me is like, you know, maybe they did this and they're seriously thinking about it. But what if they just did this as a bluff just to kind of see the reaction and just say like, well, you know, if you don't do this, like, I don't know. Like it kind of it came off funny to me like that. So here's the other thing that I, I, I think that this is. The, so the case study thing. Now, mind you, there's there is possibly a little bit of shot in there. But I really do believe the case study thing because, once again, they don't want egg on their face. Mm-hmm. It did happen with Money in the Bank and Las Vegas last You're year. Right. Remember? Mm-hmm. They went a little too big, a little too quick, and it didn't pay off, right? Mm-hmm. We can agree on that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I don't think that they – I think that they've learned from that mistake and other mistakes and said, you know, let's not put ourselves out here. That's why when they did the uh, Clash of the Castle last year, they went with a smaller – a bigger venue than – O2, mm-hmm. but a smaller venue outside of London. Right. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I do believe that was Newcastle. Yes. Correct? So now that they're talking, they've gone to the O2, 18, almost 19,000 people mm-hmm. at the O2, which is a sellout. Sure. And they, they they had the ruckus crowd. They knew the crowd was going to be ruckus. I think what happened is they went, oh, AEW, first time in the market. Because think about it, they've never been. And it was a smart move, by the way, by Tony Khan. To not book like a dynamite first and test the waters. Right. This actually works out better for them to just do Wembley. I honestly, I think. It was, no, I agree with you. I, I think this was a really smart move by him overall. And so, for the people who don't think I credit Tony Khan, I've credited him from the jump from Wembley. Mm-hmm. However, I think that the case study was: oh, if they can do sixty thousand day one, we can do what we need to do. We're going to do at least eighty thousand per day on day one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because we're going to sell more than they did right off the cuff, and then we'll sell it out. And I think that's a big worry it was to sell out. Other thing is uh, WrestleMania is different than All In. And this is how it's different. WrestleMania has now become like the Super Bowl. Mm. It is a paid show. When people bring when, – when WrestleMania goes to a city, it is bid on. Yeah. 
and whoever wins the bid, just like the Super Bowl, gets the show. Now, there's certain places that don't have a shot in hell. Like, sorry, Buffalo, with your new stadium and everything. Since you didn't put a fucking dome on it, you're not going to ever get a Super Bowl there. Even if it's the state-of-the-art, beautiful stadium. Nobody Mm. wants to play fucking football in Orchard Park in January. Or Mm. February, sorry, now. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. You know, that's what your advantage is up there, is how bad the weather is. Green Bay, the Packers, they're not getting it. You know, unless you put a dome on Soldier Field, you ain't getting one in Chicago anytime soon. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's be honest. Like, Detroit's had one because there's yeah, a dome. a dome. You know what I mean? There's a cover. Yeah. Anyways, but there, other than that, every city bids on it. Every stadium bids. They go, okay, we're going to, you know, do this much. We have this many hotels. We have this many activities. So that's what they do. They do it with WrestleMania, too. We've known this for years. Mm-hmm. It's a bidding process. Obviously, next year, we already know. Well, this upcoming year, I should say, because we're almost in 2024. WrestleMania 41, or no, WrestleMania 40, why did I say 41? 40 will emanate from Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Right. Philly won the bid. So now I think WWE's also, when this is why you bring John Cena, maybe they're also saying to the city of London, hey, we're interested to bring WrestleMania here. Mm-hmm. Your play. You're going to give us a deal on the building? You're going to give us a deal on this, this, this? You're going to give us, you know what I mean? There's concessions that have to be made. Because if not... We can go to Las Vegas, Arizona, Seattle, Mm -hmm. wherever. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. We can go to another, you know, we can take it back to Canada, Vancouver, Toronto. Mm. You know, we can go anywhere in the world that we really want to. You know, we've shown, you know, huge crowds even in Australia and Saudi Arabia. And don't be fooled. I think the Grayson Waller thing going for this is, think about it, Grayson Waller in particular from Australia is who cut off John Cena. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a little, always been a little rivalry, even though it was because it was a former uh, colony of, right. of England. There's always a little rivalry between Australia and England. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it was a mistake that they mentioned that WrestleMania in Australia is a possibility. I don't think that's going to happen because of time zones. Yeah. <laughs> Quite frankly. It's one thing to start WrestleMania at 3 p.m. in the Eastern Standard Time. It's another thing to start at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like in, in the United States, that is. So I'm just saying, I think that there was a little, I think that they're leveraging. Was there a shot in there? Listen, there's a shot in there. There's definitely a shot. Mm. In there. There's definitely, there's definitely that air of, you know, we'll come in and, you know, shit in your door. <laughs> you right. know, we're going to walk into your house and take a shit in your toilet and just leave it. You know, uh, there is th- going to always be that error. Cause there's, you know, you got to remember triple H, whether he does a great job of being professional, mm-hmm. but triple H, we know from him saying in the past was not a fan of how everything went down with NXT and AEW. Right. So he has always that chip on the shoulder there that we're going to shove this shit down your throat at some point in juncture. And now that they become the hottest thing on the planet again, Mm -hmm. it's easier. But don't mistake the fact that this is also a business move. Oh, I'm sure. Like, there's a a faint business element in it, but if, like, I'm looking at it, like, this is just my opinion on it. I think it's, like, a 20% business move, 80% shot. Like, that's how it came across to me. I don't. I think anybody, I'm sorry, I think anybody you included thinks that is missing the big picture. WWE makes money. Oh, I understand. They're not worried about what AEW, AEW's not making money. That's not fo- they're, they're not focused on that. Well, I think they're throwing it out there, but it's like, I just, I don't know how much, in, it just if, it, right now. If I just, anything, it's 80-20 the other way because they're focused on business. They're leveraging London for a WrestleMania. Well, I mean, I could, I'm sure getting an attempt in the room. I just don't know how serious it is. Like that's just that's how it comes oh, across to me. I think it's dead serious. Yes, yeah, so, I, I won't be surprised if, if WrestleMania 41. No, I mean, it, if it does, I mean, that would be awesome. But like I say, I don't know. For some reason, it it just isn't sitting with me. That's the only thing. But it's me, though. There's there's also the fact that maybe 
when they rented Wembley to AEW, there was also a little bit of uh, England playing the game. Oh, could so be. it could be a little bit of a gamesmanship between the both of them. Yeah. Uh, once again, I think this is more of a business front. I just do. I just think it's mistaking to be like, oh, they 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 did this just out of spite. It you're also not going to bring it up if you're not going to try to make it happen. And once again, though, it all depends now on the the city of London mm-hmm. because the city of London has to bid on WrestleMania. Yeah. So they have now said to me what what happened, what we saw. Yeah, there might be a little bit of machismo, a little shot there before their big show. But at the same point, and of course, Tony Khan's going to think it's fucking. Oh, I all about him, right? Right. That's what he thinks all the time. But the thing of the matter is, is what it really, I think, really was, was it leveraged them to go, "Hey, we're interested in putting WrestleMania here. Mm. Your play, London. Your play. Now it's on you. We'll bring WrestleMania, but you have to bid on it. Yeah. You know, we're not going to give you that concession because also, like WWE shouldn't give them that concession. Mm. If other if other cities are willing to bid, pay whatever goes into bringing a WrestleMania in. They should have to as well. It's fair. No, I, I get you. It's no, like the Super Bowl. Now. No, like I, I see your point, but like I say, just for me, it just I don't know. For some reason, it's just not clicking like that. But that's just me. That's fine. Yeah. But you're also in. You're also thinking about it as a pure wrestling fan, and wrestling fans like to see things that are, you know. No, I mean like, wrestling storyline related. I just for some reason I can't see WrestleMania, especially for two nights going there. I don't like. I don't know why. Don't ask me. Like I just I just don't see it happening. But that's me. I do. Completely. Why wouldn't they? I don't, you know, I don't know. It's just, I don't know, something's just not clicking for me. The question is, why wouldn't they? Yeah. Why wouldn't you put it in a world-class stadium that seats 90,000 plus? Why wouldn't you do it if the money's right? Well, I mean, I'm sure the money's got to be there. I just like, I don't know, for some reason, it's just not adding for me. That's just me. Right. But once again, like I've said, why wouldn't you? Like the, it's all down to money. It's all business. I get that. CM Punk said it. It's mm -hmm. pro wrestling business. At the end of the day, it's business. Yeah. So if the money's there, and like I said, I just thought for me personally, they're looking at, they, you know, yeah. Is there a certain amount of shot? Yeah, I'm just shit in your fucking toilet. Cool. Mm. But at the same point in juncture, if it never happens, then why do it? Yeah. Like I said, if, if you do that and you bring over a big star to do it, it's ball in your court. You know? Mm-hmm. All right, so what does it take to bring in WrestleMania now? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like England, what do you have to do? What do we have to do as a country, city, whatever, to bring in WrestleMania? Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to bid just like everybody else. And, you know, now you know – Anybody has a big ass stadium is in on the the money. I think that there's certain places possibly just due to time restraints and not like I don't think Japan is one. You're right because the time zone. The same thing with Australia. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I think Australia would be a great crowd, but yeah, five five a.m. start time. Yeah, I was Dude. gonna say that's a yeah. Also, as a fan here in the states, three p.m. Eastern start time for WrestleMania, fucking amazing. Oh, I know, I agree. Like Saturday, it'd be, Sunday, it'd be a great time. Oh but- man, I'm done. I'm I'm done by eight p.m. at the Absolute latest. Mm-hmm. Oof. That's when it starts normally. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Winning. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't. I just don't see it that way. I see it as a business move. And yeah, there's a little shot there. There's a little shot, but it is what it is. Yeah. If London comes with the money, you'll see WrestleMania there. They haven't announced the site for WrestleMania 41 yet, so. I mean, uh, it's all fair game. Like I said, I just don't. Which I don't think we'll hear a site for WrestleMania 41 until Next WrestleMania. Year. Yeah. Well, actually, usually you hear right before WrestleMania time who's getting it. Mm-hmm. And then they have the big Yeah, 2024 right. we'll hear something. Yeah. So I just personally think, it's like I said, it's you know, hey, maybe you're not wrong. But I I think it's a weird move to do just to be like, hey, fuck you, AEW, because no, that doesn't really work. Because then if they run 
all in there and you never bring WrestleMania there, they can be like, oh, we ran that building and you didn't. So then you really, your shit talking backfires on you. No, Is I that... mean, no, like, no, like I say, I just say it's 80 20 because I just, I just, for some reason, I don't know about the the seriousness of them going there. I don't, it, it's, it's somehow, it was something said in the promo, it just didn't click with me about that. Here's the thing you don't do that promo because you know what they're doing. Without being serious. Well, I'm sure, but it's just, I don't know. I don't know how what level is serious. That's, that's, I don't, that's me though. Once again, I think it's dead serious. I think it's just all, yeah. I think it's really the move. If you want to talk about the flex and ending it up, cause you know, we're running late for this, yeah. but like ending it up, the flex for them was on the city of London mm-hmm. and the country of England. Yeah. You guys make the deal and we'll be here. Mm. Cause that's all it was. It was a challenge. Yeah. That's what it was. It wasn't a challenge to AEW. It was a challenge to, to, to London, England. Uh, whether you're talking the city or the, you know, the country would have to get involved probably at one point. So like you'd have to have, cause you have to have all that stuff for international travel, which they have, they have Heathrow and like, they have the st- infrastructure to bring WrestleMania. Oh, I'm not saying they can't, but I just, for some reason it's just not clicking with me, but that's me. Right. That's right. Once again, yeah, you're thinking of years past. You're thinking of years past where WWE is very, we're going to keep everything in the States. I don't know if you've been looking around lately. No, no, I. But I, I, but, but WWE has been doing a lot of international. Oh, I, I I grant you that, but I'm just saying, like for WrestleMania, I don't know. All right, well, with that, that's going to end this week's edition of Six Hundred Seven T. WS. Before we go, though, can tell the fine folks one more time how to find you in the Ochodoro Parlay Hour podcast. Very simple. Keep it short. Keep it sweet. Odphpodcast.com. Of course, if you want to get a hold of me, it's 3fnpodcast.com for all the links. With that being said. Until next week, where we talk some Impact Wrestling Slammiversary. We recap the Indie Roundup, including MLW's uh, first PLE over there on Fight Plus, and talk all that great wrestling news. Until then, for myself, for Ken M, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and most importantly, later wrestling
Two. 